Welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. Welcome to the Talking Joy podcast. I have uh, Peter here who is going to talk about um, a conversation about overcoming substance abuse. Um, So I just wanted to invite you uh, to just introduce yourself and maybe share um, a little bit of your journey with the listeners about, um, you know, when did it all start? What was that moment for you where, um, you know, I really want to focus on the wholeness piece of it, but I think hearing your history would be, would be helpful. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Pam. I appreciate it. Uh, a good opportunity. Um, as Pam said, my name is, uh, Peter R and, um, I'm 51 years old. I have, uh, uh, two beautiful children, uh, both in college and I've been with a woman for uh, 12 years. I'm divorced. Um, and she has two. So together for the last decade plus, we have four children and, um, I'm a business owner and have been, and uh, I come from a family that has been uh, afflicted with addiction. And uh, I've been sober since 11 11, 2008. Um, so, uh, and in that time period, it's changed my life. I give, uh, I give a 12 step program called AA, and there's a bunch of different programs for uh, different addictions, but um, that uh, I I give, uh, you know, I always say, and we can get deeper into it, but I always say, if I had to go through all of the pain that I went through um, during my addiction, because I knew who I wanted to be, but I I couldn't quit. Um, And uh, it was depression and um, filled with a lot of, uh, a lot of troubles with the law and so, um, but, uh, at any rate, I would go through that again, to come out on the other side, to live the life that I live now, um, through the program and the things that it teaches and the friendships that I've made and the service work that I've done. And, um, it's, it's turned me into just, um, you know, I don't want to say I'm a great person by any stretch, but it's turned me into, um, a person that continually looks at themselves to work on themselves, to be a better person and to, to give back. And, if I never had something uh, in my life that was as much trauma, I would really be focused on me, you know, climbing the ladder, making my business better. Uh, Maybe I wouldn't, but uh, I don't know. But I, like I said, uh, I know, uh, and I have a very clear direction and a spiritual direction and a clear direction of what brings inner peace to me. And that's, um, uh, that's being truly content with myself, accepting myself for who I am. And it's for um, always being there and lending a hand to help other people and being in service regardless of, of what that is. So I give a lot back to, um, to people in early sobriety and uh, I, I gain a lot of satisfaction from that. And um, it's truly a miracle. Yeah. And I, I want to get into that in a little bit um, about how does helping other people help you. But let's let's back up a little bit um, about your journey to um, living into your best, the best version of yourself, because that's what I'm hearing is that um, having gone through the process of addiction and recovery, that that you are now authentically who you were meant to be. Um, And that doesn't mean just you as a person, but it's also what I'm hearing is that, um, that giving back and helping others is, is a big part of that role. That's probably the spirituality of it. The, um, you know, the gift in it is that you are able to, uh, to help others. And that's one of the things that, you know, that drew me to want to have this conversation is I find that so admirable and important, um, in the healing process, um, 
So what would you say uh, was that defining moment? You know, people talk about, uh, you know, I don't, I don't love that term rock bottom because I think there's all sorts of, of moments where we dip down, you know, in, in all sorts of ways in life. But what was that moment for you where um, you felt some kind of light in, in the darkness that you were able to start moving out of um, that place of uh, that or having that hold on you that it had? Um, wow. That's a good, it's a good question. A lot of people say can, can pinpoint it to say exactly um, what it was. Um, and uh, I guess, let me back up and just say this. I grew up in a Catholic family um, and uh, not super um, uh, religious. And I went to a Catholic high school, um, but I never really believed in, uh, I believed in God. I call him God because uh, that's how, that's what I was taught. But I always really thought God was for like weaker people, like um, big ego. um, And uh, I have, you know, and uh, it's something that I work on continuously. Uh, you know, I, I monetarily was uh, successful with uh, with business, and I just looked at people that needed religion uh, as as weaker people. That that's great for you, but like I got it. I'm Peter the Great. I can handle it. I can do whatever I want if I put my mind to it. Uh, and um, so uh, I just wanted to put that out there because I'm completely opposite today. Um, I'm not affiliated really with the religion, but uh, I'm absolutely, and, and I say God, um, because that's how I was taught. You know, it can be anything for anyone. Uh, and I believe there's a lot of different higher powers that people can believe in and all to get to the same place of how they feel internally with that belief and uh, the, 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 the um, um uh, the comfort that at least I gained from it. So, um, so anyway, uh, you know, here I am and, uh, business is great. Um, uh, wife who's cute, went to Villanova law school, graduated top of her class, uh, have a beautiful home, big house, fancy car. Uh, and, um, that, uh, um, I started hanging around a bunch of people with, uh, with big money uh, and I was drinking. And as I said, I think I was predisposed. Um, my, uh, my mother passed away at 49 uh, from alcoholism. And what I said is I will absolutely uh, never, ever be that person. I'll never do that to my children. I had a great childhood, wonderful mom, great father, went to every sporting event, coached my, my teams. I mean, it just I really did. I, and, and I was in, under the belief that like an alcoholic was somebody that uh, was like, uh, you know, brown paper bag in the streets and a drug addict. This is what I was taught. Like, this isn't a joke. Like, and well, somebody. I think that's a big misconception that people think that drug addicts or alcoholics are the people that you're stepping over to yeah. get somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, a drug addict was long hair and stole stuff um, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to, to feed their, and, I did neither of them and I'm, I'm both, uh, both a drug addict and alcoholic in recovery. So, and I was hanging out with big money guys and I was introduced to cocaine and, and I'm thankful uh, for that because that expedited my, um, my addiction to go to a level and it had me hooked super deep. Um, and uh, that got the ball rolling, but so here I go, and I'm I at. Have you pause for a second? Because I just caught something. I mean, I, I love reading people's body language, and and you said it had you hooked super deep, and you took your finger and made like this like this hook sign. Um, and to me, that says like, wow, like like really had a uh, an incredible grip on your life. Um. Yeah, like like when I mean hooked, uh, I mean uh, like I, I can. I'm pretty strong-willed. I can accomplish um, pretty much anything I put my mind to. I feel that way, um, and uh, you know, I'm not saying I can be great at it, but I can accomplish it and and or tackle it. But uh, I can't tell you how hard I tried to quit drinking and drugging on my own, um, and 
you know, years went by with, uh, with me trying to do it. And that, uh, once you're addicted, I mean, really, I feel there's a lower power that's just yanking you, uh, and your train of thought, um, changes and you believe your own crap. Um, and you know, I was to the point where, um, the, the only thing that, that was out there that I wanted to be was a great dad. Um, outside of that, I'm like, what do you care about me? You know, my, my brother and my sister, my father interventions. Um, I'm like, it's my life. Leave me alone. Uh, and I really believe that. And I didn't recognize how much pain I was causing to all of those who loved me. And uh, I was really fortunate to have a beautiful family and wonderful friendships. Um, you know, genuine friendships, but they slowly dwindled as I became further addicted because uh, I wanted to drink and drug and those who really loved me weren't wired that way and that I was not only embarrassed maybe, but I also knew that they didn't do that and that was my lifestyle. So I always make the analogy to say, um, I was brought up right um, with integrity. I knew right from wrong. I knew you know, to hold the door open for people. Uh, to be kind. My father is super generous. Uh, and, and so I was brought up with all these values and great integrity. And it was like, when I started to drink and drug, it was like gaining three pounds a year. You don't notice it. And then after 20 years, you look in the mirror and you say, holy smokes, I'm overweight. Yeah. Uh, well, same way with me, but in a, in an expedited process where I, one, I couldn't look in myself in the mirror because I, uh, I didn't want to look at my eyes because I knew, um, you know, I just, I was, I just didn't like myself and that I could see the pain and the suffering in my eyes. So I would, I would dress and not look, my, you know, look in the mirror and stuff. So, um, that's, an, but, that's very interesting too, because I feel like your eyes are like the window to your soul. Yeah. And, and I would also add that I have a friend who's in recovery who once said to me that she went back to drinking for a time and she said, cause she thought she could handle it. And she said, it's a, it's a, it creeps up on you. Um, and, and, and really the reason I bring that up is for, for people who are listening, who are worried about themselves or worried about a loved one is that um, it's a process, like just like gaining weight, getting there. And it's also a process in, um, the buildup of the intensity of it. It sounds like to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so long story short was, uh, great family, uh, friends, the whole nine yards, uh, Peter, the great, I'm this, that, and a bag of chips. And here I am, uh, on my 40th birthday. And, uh, so this is going back to the original question was, where did it hit me? You know, and like I said, my sobriety date is 11, 11, 2008. Um, so, uh, I had my 40th birthday and I was holed up in a, um, uh, a house in Voorhees, New Jersey. And <clears throat> there was no surprise party from, I didn't see my children and, um, I didn't receive a phone call. I didn't receive a text message. Uh, and, that there was nothing and that from anyone no one like zero mm -hmm. um and like that right there uh was um was i think was the turning point now it took me 11 days uh to get um to go into rehab and that that was the second that was the second time I've, i was already in rehab prior to that in June or July of, of, of 2008. And I ended up uh, going back on 11-11. And uh, that was the last day that, uh, that I picked up a, a drink or a drug. And um, so, uh, and I went to a wonderful place that uh, is down in the Chesapeake. And um, for the first time in my life, uh, this is where God absolutely unequivocally was and in retrospect now looking back at it okay because this was a guy that i believed in god but foxhole prayers that that was my god like i'll never do this again you know like um 
but like uh, a loving, caring um, uh, God that was doing for me what I can't do for myself entered my life for sure. And what he did was he whacked me over the head with like a, a two by four and allowed me to take advice and to listen to other people. Um, and it sounds like pretty simple, but uh, I was just terminally unique and that um, I would figure things out. I would do it my way. And that was my whole life. Um, and uh, I saw people walking around with smiles on their face and I love to laugh. I mean, I like more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, I received a wonderful sense of humor from my mother and her side of the family with practical jokes and just, you know, like to me, um, that's half of my life. Um, and, you know, I want to enjoy life and, and laughter and smiling definitely is, is a big part um, in me. So, so I saw people doing this with smiles and uh, good complexion. And uh, finally, I just listened. They told me, here's what you need to do. Um, and, and they were teaching a 12 step program, um, and, uh, that, uh, I followed direction and I'll tell you, this was, uh, it was in November. They had a, uh, water fountain outside and they called it, um, the, like a baptismal font or no, no, no. It was like a water. It was just a, a small water fountain, like water fountain pond. Um, and they, I might be making this up, but <laughs> maybe because of your show, but I think they called it like the, 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 uh, the garden of joy. Um, and that I came out one morning and I was praying because they told me that was something I needed to do was needed to, to, to find a higher power. That was a huge part of, of recovery. Um, didn't have to be God. It could be just a group of other people. Um, and collectively they were stronger than I was. So, but I immediately went to God because like I said, that's what I was, I was brought up to believe. Um, so this water fountain was completely 100% frozen except for the center was shaped in a heart. Uh, mm -hmm. And it wasn't kind of maybe like a heart. I mean, it was a heart is a heart is shaped like perfectly. And I just remember thinking to myself, wow, I am exactly where I should be. Just say that God was the invitation was was saying yeah. you know my my heart is full of happiness that you you've arrived in this place. I just want to pause and just just recognize that um, that when you were holed up in this place in Borges and the the people that love you and you hit a big milestone in your life um, that even though that that was a very dark moment. Um, and I kind of have this visual of, you know, if, if you take somebody to, and I read this in a book somewhere, you take somebody to like a little cabin and as hard as you try on a bright, bright, sunny day to close up all the windows and tape everything up and, you know, make it dark inside, there's always going to be these little cracks where the light gets in. And I believe, you know, that, that metaphor is the light of God entering us. There, there's always these cracks. We're broken, all of us. And that there's always these, these opportunities for that beam of light to get in and it sounds like it entered your heart that day enough that there was movement. And you know, although it took you 11 days to get to where you needed to be to get the help with, 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 um, but then I'm hearing that there were um, signs if, if you're open to that, which I'm very open to that um, of, you know, of this joyous love, um, you know, of God sending you this, this, this sign of, you know, at the water, which water is life, mm -hmm. <laughs> water to live. And so, I mean, there's so many metaphors in that. And I just wanted to honor that because even though you didn't hit, you know, that's what I was saying before, I didn't love that rock bottom statement because it's different for everyone. And sometimes it's these little cracks of light and then you go, you know, you go back and then you come in and you go until you walk through the doorway. Um, you know, into the next new brighter chapter of your life. And as I'm, as we're talking, I can see this beam of light come right across the center of your body coming in from the window. Um, mm -hmm. Listeners can't hear, but, um, but anyway, I, I mean, I just think that it's beautiful and I just wanted to pause and really uh, let us feel, feel what that was like um, because that's there for each and every one of us. It is. I, 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 I know that. 
I know it for, for a fact, and it's incredible to see, um, you know, <clears throat> fast forwarding now to, uh, um, you know, it being a journey in my first year and second year um, with, uh, you know, some struggles, but, uh, but I wanted it so bad. And, um, you know, but, uh, but, but to now to today, to helping a lot of people, or at least extending myself out there to try and help um, to be there uh, and be available to, uh, to share um, my story and my journey with others that uh, to see that light switch um or really it, it it's like you know um a door cracking open and uh just let a little bit of light in and and that's something that we say in in aa mm-hmm. uh, and uh if you're willing okay that uh that you can recover but you need to be willing and no one can make that decision um for you you know the court system that if you're there for it, or if you're there for your folks, or if you're there for your wife, or for your children, uh, it may last, um, and 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 maybe you're faking it until you make it, uh, and that will work. But really, um, I've seen when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, mm-hmm. that those are the people in recovery who um, apply the principles of the twelve steps. And uh, it's a lifelong journey uh, and no longer for me, thank God, is it um, picking a drink or a drug up. Um, it's really about me working on me um, and, uh, you know, owning up um, for, you know, little stuff, whether it's uh, in the parking lot and I see somebody going for a spot and I juke in there before they do, like, is that, is that right? Like, you know, um, or, uh, you know, being kind to, to let them go and then uh, find a spot that's further. Um, so, uh, and, and deeper stuff too, relationships. Yeah, but I think in order to do that, and, and, and that's such a great example, that parking thing, because we can all relate to that because we all, you know, most people drive, is that that's a really important noticing, Pete, because in order to make that decision, on whether to take the parking spot or let the other guy go, you need to be fully present. You need to be in your body, feeling your feelings, and you need to be conscious enough to think outside of yourself to say, oh, would it be generous? I, I, you know, I can walk, I'm young, I can, I can make it to the store if I have to park 10 cars down. But in order to make a decision like that, you need to be fully awake. Mm-hmm. And you need to be thinking outside of yourself and not just for yourself. Um, I just want to go back to the time where well, let me, you let were... me interrupt say one quick thing. It's a great point. Like, and, and that's exactly what AA teaches. That's exactly what AA teaches is being in the present. Don't worry about what happened yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Like right there, right now and living in the present. Um, and that's a big part of being able to handle a tremendous amount of, of stress and because life has, no one's life is like just comes to you and it's smooth and easy. Um, life on life's terms is tough. It's tough to go through, but when you have, um, that attitude, I can handle whatever's in front of me and live in the moment and in the present that you can tackle anything. It's pretty simple because it's just little snippets instead of tons of luggage on your back. And I also live from a place where I, I understand because I've done spiritual work for so long, or at least I try to understand um, that joy and sorrow live in perfect company with one another. And so I had a friend last year who was waiting for kind of scary test results from the doctor from a biopsy, but yet her son was um, in like the championship soccer tournament, you know, senior in high school, like worked towards it his whole life the biggest game ever. And she had both on the same day. And my advice was to her was to go to the game and live the game. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't let the other, don't let the sorrow piece, you know, let them be in company with one another, but go and have one be present to it. And then when you get the news, be present to that, whatever that is, you know, you'll have the grace to get through it. Mm-hmm. So going back to that moment, um, you know, at, at, 
the place in Maryland and um, you, you, you see the water fountain with the heart and you have been praying. Um, tell me a little bit more about that time. Um, I know you mentioned when we first started to talk about it, the number one thing that was important to you were your kids. And so was, were they the motivating once you got there? Was that something that um, kept you focused? Well, in, yeah, I would say, yes, that was huge. I mean, just a tremendous amount of thoughts were going through my mind. I mean, to, to, to be, um, it's a voluntary place. I wasn't captured there, but, um, uh, you know, seldomly in my life, if I had 28 days, um, to be by myself. Now, granted we had, uh, and it was in, and, and one of the things I found that's it, huge for my recovery, uh, the, the setup is this place is located on the uh, upper portions of the Chesapeake, and it looks out over what's called the Susquehanna Flats, which is where the Susquehanna River comes into the Chesapeake Bay, and um, just the, 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 the wildlife and the scenery was absolutely uh, magnificent. And I found that really part of my, um, uh, you know, whether it's meditation or um, that uh, my medicine is being in nature and it still is today, it plays a huge role. Um, and, you know, that that's, that's like the crazy cool part about sobriety is really finding out what, um, what brings me uh, what brings me peace, inner peace, um, and truly not what I think like the crowd I'm hanging out with will uh, think is cool or, um, and it's something that money can't buy. And I was motivated a lot by, by money. And, um, you know, with that was, uh, was my driving force. Although I, I will say I had good ethics in, in business always. Um, and I, give credit to that from my upbringing and from my parents, um, for sure. No doubt about that. But, uh, but yeah, that, you know, like money was, was success. And now when, uh, when I use the word success, I really, success to me is a, a great, a great, um, uh, relationship, um, with, uh, with your partner, your wife, spouse, whatever, um, and your children, and your friendships and uh, knowing who you are and having true peace and contentment inside uh, your heart. So um, I had a lot of time to think. And um, uh, as I said, my mom passed away at 49 and I never really dealt with that internally. Um, and in some um, kind of uh, weird way that uh, at that time and looking back on it, I view her death as saving me. Um, and, uh, and, and I look at it that way because um, I was angry, really angry with her that how could she do that? Uh, and little did I know she had no choice. Uh, she was addicted, she had a disease, and um, that uh, you know, AA was not, it, it's been around since 31, but it just wasn't as prevalent. Um, I would say that, that how long has she been gone? 30 years? Coming up on 30 years, yeah. So I would say it was like women who got breast cancer back in those times, that if anything wasn't, a lot of things weren't talked about and people would say, she has cancer. You know, they, yeah. would, they would whisper it. And so I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of things that are, so much more acceptable and available. Um, yeah, well, it, it was stigmatized. And, and to some extent, it still is. And, you know, I look at this uh, heroin epidemic today. Um, I mean, when I grew up, heroin, that heroin, like in, in young, you know, like doesn't, tall, short, pretty, rich, uh, it, it, didn't, it doesn't matter. It's, it, it's, it's not discriminatory. And that, um, that explosion in addiction, uh, if any good out of something so horrific to me is, is that that's smashing the stigma that's attached to addiction and, um, that, uh, you know, anyone and everyone 
knows of someone today who has someone in their family, a relative, a good friend who, who is struggling with addiction um, and more open and spoken about. So yes, so when my mom passed, I mean, it, a little it, bit know, more about how in your mom's dying, she gifted you with life. Well, so, so I was getting into it with respect to, I was angry with, with her, how she did this. I was angry at my father, you know, man of the, uh, of the house, like, come on, buddy, get with it. Uh, you know, like shake, shake her up and uh, get her help, you know, make, make it happen. And once again, I recognize in sobriety that um, no one can make someone else sober. Um, and uh, so it was false blame uh, on my father due to ignorance of, um, but, uh, but completely justified um, because it's a, it, it, it's a normal thought. Um, however, not, it, it's an ignorant thought because I was uneducated to alcoholism until, uh, and now this is looking at it in retrospect. So um, I know the, the pain and the suffering that uh, my mom's passing had, uh, had given to me, my siblings, and, and those that loved her. And she was just as charismatic as you could possibly get with wonderful friends um, you know, she was gifted with, with uh, a great sense of humor, very creative. She was a wonderful cook. Uh, she, she was a, uh, just a, um, a, an excellent mother. Um, she really was very protective of me and my friendships and who I hung out with. She taught, you know, I have nothing but, but wonderful things to say. And, and the last taste in my mouth was anger um, with her because she left me. You know, and, and she was like my best friend. I had a relationship with her. I was the youngest of three. So um, I shared with her probably things that 95% of kids did not share with their parents. Um, and uh, I had that comfort level. So, uh, and that was ripped from me because she she let me down at the end. And, and, and unfortunately, that clouded a lot of my wonderful memories of her. It was then I was left with anger um, toward her because of what she did to me. And um, so I was not going to do that to my children. So if you go deep into this and you can read into it, you know, because we only have so much time that <clears throat> all of that put together um, in, in, uh, was going on behind the scenes, which I didn't know. So, so me, my anger with her was actually where it should be. That was, that's God, right? That's God allowing me to be angry. Like, and I suffered um, because of that. But then in retrospect, if I didn't suffer like that, then maybe her being a vital part in passing as a gift for me, wouldn't have gotten me sober, if that makes sense. I mean, oh, like I, I, I told, I mean, I trust me. I mean, I, I relate to that. So yeah, yeah. So and I think um, a lot of people can, and it doesn't have to be the loss of a life. It could be a loss of of anything major in someone's life. Is that if we can get beyond it um, and we can process it, that's why it's so important for people to talk to one another. And, I, and I, that's sort of the next chapter of, of our conversation that I really want to talk about is that um, if we can process our feelings mm -hmm. and we tend to want to run away from them, you know, somebody said, and I keep repeating this on my podcast because it was such a valuable comment, but one of the people that I interviewed said that in order to grow, we, we need to be temporarily uncomfortable. And yeah. I think that fear blocks us from wanting to feel uncomfortable to feel our feelings. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what yeah. I'm hearing from, from you and, and one of the things I wanted to talk about is that not only did you go and you unpacked, you know, this painful history, um, you know, beautiful childhood, but painful history of losing your mom that you were so close to and, um, and some of the other things that you mentioned um, it sounds to me like you did interior work and your, your relationship with God. Um, and as a spiritual guide, I can tell you that 95% of the people that I meet and talk with tell me that they connect with God in nature. Mm -hmm. Or if I say, where do you feel most connected to God? They will say nature. 
Um, so you're in this beautiful place. You you reconnect and 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 have this different and deeper relationship with God. Um, you know, I I feel like you had like a conversion experience. Um, and but it sounds to me what this is leading to is that in community you've been celebrated and affirmed and loved and listened to and you've listened to others and it sounds to me like the journey to to wholeness wasn't just this solo it was it's twofold we, and i always say that we grow best in two ways um in solitude with god because i need that you know i i pray every morning and have this time with god but then i I, I need community. I need loving, supportive people around me to help me grow and to be the best version of myself. And so can you talk a little bit about your journey to community? Sure. Yeah. No, uh, that's, and that's a great point, Pam, because um, uh, there, there, there's no way I, okay, um, can accomplish and tackle uh, and, and, and it was a big hurdle for me because um, it was a blow to my ego. Um, and that uh, the 12-step program of, of AA, and, and like I said, there's all different types of 12-step programs. I happen to identify with AA versus like uh, uh, Cocaine's Anonymous or, or um, uh, um narcotics anonymous so but uh i've just identified with aa and and it probably has more um more meetings and it's more prevalent so but anyway uh and it's a we program uh and and that's that's exactly what it is that uh um and it's a week a week no we we as in w e sorry (laughs) it's a we program um and that uh what is absolutely uh incredible about it is that if you're feeling something and that uh like i never shared anything and i always say behind every door um there's a story one um don't compare your insides to everybody's outsides because you'll lose that game every time every single time and you'll live in misery you know like worry about your side of the street okay and do the best with what you have and don't worry about what other people have because if you and 10 other people and this is an a saying and a lot of the stuff i'm saying is an original peter stuff um you know it it comes from um from aa but if you put all your problems on a table uh with 10 friends and uh everybody's looking at all their problems you would snatch your problems back in a new york second Okay, and let everybody, you're like, oh, man, they got, wow, they have it really bad. Um, and uh, the reality is, it's Isn't life. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's life, and you know how to deal with your troubles, and you've, so, um, but, uh, but it was a great learning lesson um, for him, and uh, that, uh, you know, that, that's, that's how it goes. So, so back to the community part, and what gave me the tools to be able to, um, to teach that to my son was because of AA. And um, I always say, and this goes back to another country club uh, uh, analogy here, but, but um, you know, I know when I joined the place I did, you know, you go and meet and greet and they're like, you know, what do you do for a living? And, you know, everything is, is kind of like Facebook and social media. It's all the best, right? I do this for a living, you know, and you're dressed in your nice clothes and, and the whole nine yards and everything is um, kind of superficial and um, uh, window dressing, right? But it's, you know, part of it's real, uh, you know, because that's your life. Yeah. Um, however, you know, I sit in an AA meeting and that you'll hear someone say something that, that will just knock your socks off and that it could be like they cheated on their wife, um, you, you know, and they did this and they feel, and uh, not one time do we judge that person. Um, it's, uh, they're getting it out for, um, so they can grow and get healthy and they're sharing it with other people um, or they lost a son and uh, to addiction. And, 
there's always a handful of people that have lived and walked that street before that then they can talk to and identify with. And to me, that's what community is. If you're raw and you really share your, your, your true feelings, um, you're in a safe spot because you know it's anonymous program. Yeah. Everyone's there just to get better by themselves. Okay, that's why they're there. Um, you're not being judged. And th there are people out there that have, have done exactly what you've done. It's not all that bad. Uh, or they've experienced what you've experienced. And that you can, you can see how they got through it. And you can say, wow, John got through that. Jane finished that. And let's just look at the contrast between being in a place in a supportive, loving community and then being in this country club, which, look, I get that's part of your life and, and a part of a lot of people's lives. But in the country club setting, you're not your authentic, true self. You're always on guard. You're always on stage. I'm hearing that in the meetings in this community that you've created or that you're part of, um, that there's this loving presence without judgment. I mean, they're complete contrasts. And where do you feel most at home, I would ask. And, um, and secondly, the, the other thing that's really important to me for, for the circles and groups that I lead, um, you know, the spiritual groups that I lead, is that nobody hands out advice or fixes anyone. And when, as soon as that starts to happen in my groups, I shut it down because it's exhausting and really mm -hmm. people just want to be heard. So is, is AA like that? Is it a place just where you're heard and not necessarily, nobody's trying to fix you or hand out advice? Um, or do you do that? No, uh, no, it's not. And, and that's, that's like, we all speak the same language. So, uh, and what I mean by that is, is that um, you're struggling with, with alcohol and I come over to your house and I'm like, Pam, you know, you're drinking too much. And like, it just, that's me telling you what to do. Okay. And it's not going to work. Okay. So, so now, um, or you coming over to my place and you're not an alcoholic and you're telling me, Pete, you got to get this under control. And, um, well, you're not speaking my language. Um, and that, uh, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm going to tune you out. All I want to do is get you out of the house. Okay. Um, because there's no identification there. And <clears throat> so in AA, uh, how it works is, um, what is a miracle, but, but how it works in the community is that um, I would go to someone's house, like if I were to make uh, what, what we call a 12-step uh, a call, meaning someone gets in touch with me and says, so-and-so is my son's really struggling. Uh, could you come over and talk to them? And I would go over and I would just tell them, I wouldn't tell them anything about, I would ask them some questions, you know, how much are you drinking? Um, has it interrupted your life? Um, when you drink, do you get in trouble? And when you don't drink, have you ever been in trouble when you don't, you know, and I would know a little bit of background to, 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 to ask some, some of the right questions. And then I would just tell them my story. I would say, Hey, uh, you know, um, here's what happened to me. And, um, in that, the only thing I found that worked for me was, was the 12-step program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And maybe that's something you'd like to try. Um, and if you ever want to do that, I would be happy to, to take you to a meeting. Um, so I'm not telling anybody how to handle anything. Yeah, um, all I'm saying is, I want to say, you know, what the hope is, is that person will have a moment of clarity where that door, a ray of light. <laughs> yeah, that where that door is open, yeah. and um, they'll say, "Wow, I feel ex like I can't tell you how many times in a meeting where someone will share um, at a meeting, and someone will raise their hand and say, you just told my story. Mm. Like you, you just told my story. Like identical. Right. My parents were divorced. This and that. And I drank, and you know, like kids and." I don't have, they don't talk to me and whatever it may end up being. And, uh, well, it sounds like there's that, a commonality in the thread of everyone's stories. The, the commonality is, yeah, we all, we're all in the Titanic <laughs> and it went down, right? You don't know Mrs. Smith who was on the Titanic, but if you got together with Mrs. Smith and you were a survivor, mm -hmm. you would, 
you would get together and you would hug and you would cry and that you, you, because you identify with that person that you know they experienced a horrific, okay, event in their life and their death experience mm-hmm. and they survived. Okay, so that's the same thing as AA. Um, and that there's that immediate identification and relationship to be able to say, like, it's the same way you would have a feeling towards your best friend from like fifth to 10th grade. Like, and if you haven't seen them in 20 years and you get back together, what's it take? 15 seconds until you guys are chuckling. Do you remember that? Say those friends are my favorite because I don't have to retell my story. No. And you've had, you lived your formidable, formidable years with them. Yeah. Um, and automatically that that's a friendship for life. Okay. And that, so, so that's kind of, um, how AA is, but it's fast tracked and it doesn't matter whether you know the person even really, they don't have to be a friend. You could be meet them for the first time. Like I've met people, um, who have told me some astonishing things, uh, in the first conversation I've had. And I'm, incredibly uh, grateful that they've shared that with me, like just opened up. And because I'm like, wow, I can relate to that. And, and a lot of times I admire that, mm. but get, get that out. And when, when, for me, when I get things out, oh, yeah. uh, man, you know, yeah. that's the luggage. That's the luggage that I don't have to carry anymore. It's just like taking my, as, as my mom would call it, my valise and, <laughs> and, and taking stuff out. Yeah. Right. No, and, or heavy backpack. It's like we pick up all these rocks along the road and keep putting them on. And at the end of the day, we're stumbling into our house because the, the backpack has gotten so heavy. Yeah. Um, and I believe that, you know, the things you're talking about and teaching spiritual practices and ways that we can connect with God and, and let go of, of uh, some of the things that we're never, we were never meant to carry to begin with. That's yeah. right. So yeah, in, well, in closing, yeah. I just I just want to re- honor and respect our our time and 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 it's been so rich and and helpful and and um, what would you uh, what advice would you give to somebody who is listening that either has a loved one um, that is struggling with addiction or that they see is is struggling um, that they're trying to help and or somebody who is listening um, that that feels like um, you know, things are getting a little out of control in their lives and, and um, they want to talk to someone, what would you recommend? Um, well, two, two different questions. One, yes. uh, the, the loved one um, that uh, that's a very difficult uh, position to, to, to be in. Um, and, uh, and I say that because um, what you really need to do is you need to pull away from that person um, in a loving and caring way and, and no longer enable them. And there's a program there uh, for them, which is called Al-Anon. And that, uh, that teaches you how not to enable um, and uh, you, you know, your loved one, whomever that may be. <clears throat> and that's really tough to do. And that's, you, you can do a whole uh, podcast, on, podcast that. on that. My um, only advice for that, and I've had personal, personal experience with, um, with, with doing that is that um, shop it around just like you would for a new shirt or a pair of jeans that fit just right <laughs> is that to try out different meetings. And maybe that's the same with AA. You have to find one that resonates and that feels good and comfortable and welcoming for you. Yeah. Uh, and, and that place could, uh, could be everything that you need, um, in order to, to travel through, through this, uh, this journey with someone you love. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have to. And, and like, it's so easy, uh, you have to trust the process and it's easy to, to be like, I'm not going somewhere, you know, like, or I went to a meeting, I didn't like it. Um, and the reality is if you want to get, that person healthy. Um, there are certain things you can do. You, if, if you know someone else who is at, in recovery to try to link those two together, but not be involved with that link. Okay. You know, to try to stay away from it, um, just somehow have them get together. But if you are the orchestrator, 
then you're involved. And that person who's in recovery is probably not going to help because they're going to tune them out because mom, dad, you know, brother, sister, cousin set me up with that person. Um, so, um, but that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. And it sounds like, like what I'm hearing you say is that you are, you have been that person for other people that people will call you. Um, you know, you've been doing this for a long time now and, you know, you sort of have this reputation, um, and a good reputation, (laughs) but you, you are somebody who can go and sit with someone and it's, uh, you're unrelated to them. You take out all the emotional, uh, family baggage and, and all of that stuff. And you are able, so what I'm hearing is that if I have a family member that I'm worried about, that I should probably find somebody from the outside who's also, who's in recovery mm-hmm. and come and sit with them and offer. And all we can, and, and also what I'm hearing is that all we can do is offer these things and it's up to the individuals between, like for you, you had to decide to get the help that you needed. Uh, yeah, and everybody's a little different, true, um, in, in how they receive that. Um, you know, like, if the parents have enough money to be able to help out to get them in the rehab, you know, that's certainly a great thing. But really, um, there is there there is a, a, um, uh, a gray line um, on uh, enabling, okay? Loving, enabling versus helping. And that Al-Anon is such a great tool to teach, to take that gray line and kind of make it a little more sharper. So you understand because, you know, the last thing you want to do is see your child struggle um, and you want to help. I mean, that's, that's human nature. And a lot of times when you're helping them, you're actually hurting them. And I'm not uh, by any stretch. I mean, I have gone to um, you know, uh, um, some uh, adult children of alcoholic meetings and um, to, to try to figure some deeper stuff out about myself in regards to that. And I've also gone to a lot of Al-Anon meetings. Um, so, uh, but there's people that are more qualified to speak in greater depth on that. Now, as far as, as far but as... That's great advice, really good advice for, for people listening um, is to look into Al-Anon and... Um, Oh yeah. You know, everything that you said and follow and and, and exactly that, like find a meeting. Okay. Don't go to one meeting because uh, one shoe doesn't fit uh, all sizes. So you have to find a meeting that you can identify with. And I would say when you go in there, all you need to do is identify with one person. Don't look to uh, like a lot of times, at least I know what I would do is I'd hear somebody say something and I would jump if, if I don't want it, I jump on that thing I didn't like and I focus on that and then, you know, run out of the thing like the lucky charms guy, kick my heels. I'm out of here. Yeah. In the same way with, with AA, um, to answer the second part of the question is for, um, someone who's struggling, who is listening to this and, uh, I can tell you, uh, and, and we can end on this, uh, it, you know, if, if you want, but, um, the first AA meeting I went to was, uh, was in, uh, in the country and, um, uh, that I had this preconceived notion of Alcoholics Anonymous being a bunch of bums and, you know, uh, I don't, I have enough friends. I'm not identifying with these people. Like I'm too fancy. I'm too this, I'm too that. And so I go into this meeting and I had, uh, I was out of my mind at this point. Like I was toward the end of uh, getting, getting sober and I was a daily drinker and drugger. So basically 24 seven, I was, uh, I was ripped up. And I remember like I wrote a poem um, uh, about my mom's passing and that uh, I go to the same meeting and I think I was, so I don't know if my recollection is, is reality mm-hmm. or not, but uh, I go into this room and there's like uh 10 people in there and out of the 10 people i said i say there were like three teeth out of this out of everybody in this meeting and i walk in i'm like oh my god this is exactly what i thought so i start reading this uh you know like they go through their thing i have no idea what they were doing and i raised my hand and i'm like i wrote this poem for my mom and 
started reading it. I'm crying and uh, they cut me off and they're like, there's no, there, you know, there's, this isn't the venue for you to be doing that. And, and then uh, they're all talking. And then the one lady's like, honey, uh, I'm going to give you this coin. And she's like, you put it in your mouth. And she's like, when that melts, you can have your next drink. And they all start laughing and stuff. And I'm like, are you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, this place is full of lunatics and bums. And uh, I vowed I would never go back to a meeting. And now I don't know if that's reality because I've never been to a meeting like that in my life again or since then. Um, and uh, I have, uh, I've found, uh, I still go to meetings um, quite often. And, um, but I've found incredible friendships. Like I never thought I could replace my deep friendships that I had outside of um, uh, AA with AA people. And this was, they, my, this was one of my questions preparing was that had, did you change your friends? You know, I still have a lot of great friends that I went to high school with, that I went to college with. Um, silly as it may sound, uh, three are in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and, uh, which is kind of funny, um, two from high school and, uh, um, back together and reignited with them. Ah, no, that's beautiful. Um, and one from college. And, uh, so, but, uh, I still, you still hang out with people. Um, you know, I call them normies, you know, people that can drink and, and it, it, you know, they're not addicted. Um, and I can be around, um, I wouldn't be in a situation where I'd be around drugs, but I, uh, I can do and go anywhere I want um, with people drinking. Um, and if I ever feel uncomfortable, I make sure that I can just leave, you know, um, but, uh, um, but no, I, I, I will tell you, um, I've just found that um, my definition of friendship has changed greatly um, be, because of sobriety. And now I, I view a relationship as somebody that really, um, like before I wouldn't share any inner feeling or any uh, defect, like def like I have a defect, you know, I wouldn't share that with anyone because I wanted to be great at everything with everything. And, um, and now I find that, yeah, I, um, I have unbelievable, and this, this particularly this summer, you know, here I am, uh, uh, almost 12 years sober, I had formed a relationship with, uh, with a handful of new guys that um, uh, their wives, you know, and over for dinner. And, and it's been uh, like my sobriety has gone to a whole nother level mm. um, because uh, of this friend group that um, we've just recently formed. So yeah, it's, uh, um, it's yeah, it's incredible. So I'm friends with both, but uh, I really identify more so with people in AA yeah. than not AA. So what I'm hearing, um, just in in closing, is that um, you know it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. Um, you know, in your relationship and growth with uh, with God and nature, and also in community with others that you can still hang out with your old normies, but yet these, the friends and the people that you've met through AA and, and through, you know, being sober have really um, continued to help you grow as you, uh, you know, and, and we all, you know, aspire to, we're all a work in progress. Um, mm -hmm. And it's the people that are placed on our path that, you know, can bring us either up or down. And it sounds like you're choosing, you're very conscious of who you're letting into your life. Um, you're choosing all of the right and good people. And so well, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I'm going to end it with this. My mom always said, simple, you are who you hang out with. And that you would think, oh, yeah. And it, it holds so true, yeah. so true. Um, but, and, and I'll end... Let me end with this. Okay. That uh, I love hanging out with both groups of friends. I really do. Um, but I think the reason with the AA friendships are, uh, you know, 
I'm wired to always want to stray and they always keep me accountable um, uh, for, uh, for my actions where, uh, because they're doing the same thing and I I appreciate that. So um, (laughs) yeah, that part, that part I do. uh, Well, I, I, I wish you nothing um, but, but uh, the best for your future and filled with lots of uh, grace and continued growth and most especially lots of joy. Mm. Well, thanks, Pam. I appreciate having the opportunity to be on and hopefully something I said potentially could help someone else and uh, you have a wonderful day. Lots of what you said will help other people. All right. God bless you. I love you. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at TalkingJoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.